1: It's the last day of the PFTPM podcast until the next time that we do one. But the daily episodes end now because PFT Live returns on Monday. Three days from now, 7 a.m. Eastern, Peacock, Sirius XM 85. Chris Sims and I will be back for two full hours with breaks. I can't imagine having breaks. I'm used to talking straight for 35, 45, 55 minutes or longer. But this is it for now, until we do it again. I've gotten some requests to do it once a week. I'm not going to commit to anything because I know what's going to happen. Once the season starts, I'm not going to want to shut down everything that I'm doing to talk for 30, 40, 50 minutes because we do it for two hours every morning. I got to do other things during the course of the day, but we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll find some time to do it or we'll just do it as needed. If there's some development that, that I feel requires me to have something to say. And If we were in season and what happened yesterday happened during football season, I probably would have found some time to talk about the sale of the commanders because it was the double whammy. It was the announcement that we expected that the transaction had been approved from Daniel Snyder to Josh Harris. And then it was Mary Jill White from the top rope with the sharpened elbow and the foreign object onto Daniel Snyder. The 22 page report, plenty of stuff in there. Damning conclusions drawn by Mary Jo White, even though in many respects she was investigating with one arm tied behind her back because the commanders didn't cooperate. They vowed to fully cooperate. They always vowed to fully cooperate. When I say they, I mean anyone who's being investigated. Oh, we'll fully cooperate until the lawyers get involved and then they don't cooperate. And even without full cooperation from the commanders, she was able to corroborate, number one. claim from tiffany johnston regarding sexual harassment by daniel snyder that was something that came up during the congressional investigation post the release of the john gruden emails and then i think the big one and i remember when this allegation first surfaced in 2022 i was told if this is proven he's done and it is the allegation that money was diverted from the pool that gets shared with all teams the visiting team share See, the visiting team at a given game doesn't get a piece of the gate. That piece of the gate goes to the league and it goes to all teams equally. So the home team gets roughly 60, 65% and the league gets the rest. And the home team gets it back through its piece of the visiting team share. So when you're doing what the commanders were doing, and we don't have to say allegedly because Mary Jo White concluded that it happened, when you are reconfiguring the revenue. Taking, for example, and this is what Jason Friedman alleged that got this specific ball rolling, taking revenue from the NFL games and accounting it as revenue from other events, college games, concerts, et cetera, where there isn't a sharing obligation, that's a way to keep money away from your partners. He was stealing from his partners. He was committing fraud on his partners. Now, words that blunt weren't used. But the message is inescapable about what Mary Jo White found. So let's focus on the good news first, and then we'll come back to Snyder. First, Josh Harris taking over. New day for the commanders. Magic Johnson, very visible already, despite owning only 4% of the team. I was a little surprised. I saw a clip of his interview with Craig Melvin. From the Today Show, they played it last night on NBC Nightly News. And the way that they set up the piece, it almost created the impression that Magic Johnson's on equal footing with Josh Harris. And we know that's not the case. Harris is the owner. Magic Johnson is a limited partner. Do we ever even know who the limited partners are? How often do the limited partners ever even speak? Now, maybe this is something that was planned, part of the palate cleanser. From Dan Snyder, maybe it's why Josh Harris got Magic Johnson involved. Let's find someone with, number one, enough money to buy 4% of the equity, about $240 million based upon the total valuation of the team. And two, someone that everyone loves. Who doesn't love Magic Johnson? I love Magic Johnson. You love Magic Johnson. Everybody loves Magic Johnson. So he's become, right out of the gates, the public face and voice of the commanders, even though he owns of the team, even though we never hear from the limited partners. It's almost like what we envisioned, and we don't know how this is gonna play out, but for now, it meshes with what we thought would happen if Peyton Manning got involved with an ownership group, that he would be a limited partner, that he wouldn't be the person holding the 30% or more, but he'd be the face, he'd be the voice he'd be the one out there. And it makes sense for Peyton Manning, not a basketball player, but again, everybody loves Magic Johnson and the Commanders need those positive vibes. Not that they necessarily need it. You could put anybody out there and it would be better than Dan Snyder. Anyone not named Dan Snyder would be a breath of fresh air for the Commanders fans. But I just think it's something to watch because number one, what did Harris envision? Number two, is Magic Johnson going to be more present, more involved, more directly in the spotlight than someone who only owns 4% of the team would otherwise be? And one of the things Magic Johnson said is it relates to a possible name change. He didn't say, no, Commanders is the name of the team. He said all options are on the table, but we have other things to deal with for now. Now, look, even if you're going to change the name, you're not going to say that right now. What they're going to do is, I would assume pick another name, get everything happening behind the scenes. And then when it's ready to be unveiled, when everything is in place, the uniforms, the signage, everything like they did the last time, they didn't tell us the name until it was time to tell us the name until they had the jerseys and the logos and everything else. So it's a 18 months to two year process. We've already been through it with the Washington football team when they became the commanders. So I think that Magic Johnson saying all options are on the table means... The name is changing and, and why wouldn't it change it's only been around for one season it was something that always felt rushed and incomplete and it's tied to dan snyder change everything you can that was tied to snyder and look you don't change the color scheme because that is the thing that ties the eras together but you come up with a new name take your time do it right focus groups, market research, and it'll probably trickle out that they are looking at several possibilities. Empower the fans, get them involved. Have a list of finalists that you take input directly from the fans on. There's a way to do it to give the fans ownership of the name. I think that's one of the problems with commanders. There was never a sense of fan ownership. So I'm contradicting myself, I know. It won't be a secret. It shouldn't be a secret. It should be an open process where the fans have a voice and you know what the reaction is going to be. It's not, well, Hey, here comes the new name. We'll see what people think. You already know what they think. You already know what they like and what they don't like before you finalize the team name. But I'll agree. They've got other issues that they need to deal with, but it's also a time consuming process where you don't just snap your fingers and why, why not just ride out this year or next year in this honeymoon period where you could call a team, anything. And the fans are going to be happy. There's a lot of stuff that you don't have to worry about now because the natural afterglow of getting rid of Daniel Snyder is going to take care of a lot of things that people would otherwise be concerned about. So it's a new era. It's a new age. It's a new day for the Washington commanders, and that's good. I still have some reservations about cash flow and whether or not the Josh Harris group truly has the financial wherewithal to be as competitive as they need to be salary cap, even though it's supposedly even there are ways with signing bonuses paid out immediately. I was talking about this yesterday. There are ways to be more competitive than your peers. Coaches, no cap. Front office, no cap. Facilities, no cap. How much money is the Josh Harris group going to be able to devote to making world-class practice facility, world-class front office, world-class coaching staff time will tell now back to the mary joe white investigation and to summarize there were two findings two important findings in the 22 page report that came out immediately after they announced that the sale had been approved number one the finding that tiffany johnston's claim of sexual harassment was sustained by mary joe white and what tiffany johnston claimed she testified before congress number one that Daniel Snyder touched her leg without her consent during a work dinner. And number two, he tried to pull her into his car after that dinner ended. And he vehemently denied it every step of the way. Didn't do it, didn't do it, didn't do it. Well, Mary Jo White found that he did do it. Her assessment of the evidence, he did it. That's important. But as it relates to how other owners would view Daniel Snyder, it pales in comparison to the idea that he picked their pockets that he presided over a front office, over an organization that systematically reduced the amount of shared revenue to increase Dan Snyder's bottom line. Less money that you share is more money that you keep. So they used creative accounting to move this money around. And what Mary Jo White concluded was, it's $11 million that wasn't shared and possibly up to another $44 million that wasn't shared by Daniel Snyder and the commanders with the partners. And I remember when that allegation was first made by former commander's employee, Jason Friedman, who earlier this week sued the team for defamation because when he said what he said, when he gave Congress the information that he provided, the reaction was anyone who would say that is committing perjury. So they called him a liar. That's enough to get sued for defamation, especially if he's telling the truth. And oh, by the way, Mary Jo White found Jason Friedman to be telling the truth. So when that allegation first came to light, people I know in the ownership ranks, their attitude was, hey, if this happened, he's done, he's done. And we don't know all the machinations behind the scenes. It came out of the blue in early November that Daniel Snyder was considering offers to sell the team. It's entirely possible. Let me be clear here that I'm speculating, but based on the circumstances, it's entirely possible that someone went to him in September or October and said, you know, Mary Jo White has found that... Jason Friedman's allegation of shared revenue, being diverted for your own purposes, is accurate. You're out. You're done. It's over. We can do this the easy way. We can do this the hard way. If you're going to force us to kick you out, we've got the goods. Oh, you can sue all you want, Dan. We've got the goods that you were stealing from us. So if you want to do it, we're ready to do it. You got lawyers. We got lawyers. Let's go. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. They may have said that to him. Something caused him to do the thing that we didn't expect him to do. Something made him realize there's no good way out of this maze. And then it's quite possible before he decided he was going to sell the team, they told him it's over. And really from the standpoint of getting the most that he can, and generally speaking, the other owners, but for the potential impact on state taxes and generational transfers of equity, generally speaking, you want the value of every team to be as much as it can be. You're in a better position to maximize the sale price if you're not selling with a gun to your head, if it's not a forced sale. If it's just, well, I'll look into selling, maybe I will, maybe I won't. You got to give me an offer that I won't refuse as opposed to everything must go. When it's everything must go, you're going to have a hard time getting a 6.05 billion. I remember at one point they thought he was going to get seven and there was a report from Forbes that he had multiple offers well north of seven I think that was all about maximizing what he got. Oh what a shock. The guy who the league found was playing games with the money would potentially be responsible directly or indirectly for a false report that he had multiple offers north of 7 billion. So and that report is publicly available. We've got links to it at multiple stories at PFT. It's only 22 pages and I'm impressed. I need to say this because I thought if Snyder went quietly the Mary Jo White report would be inconclusive or otherwise favorable. And who knows? Maybe it was better than it would have been. Maybe this is the sanitized version. Because there are some allegations where her finding was that the evidence was inconclusive. But I thought if he just went away, they would not come off the top rope with the sharpened elbow and the foreign object onto Daniel Snyder. I thought they'd give him a pass. They didn't. They found he did those two things I mentioned earlier. They fined him sixty million. Now, six point oh five billion minus sixty million is five point nine nine billion. So shed no tears for Dan Snyder, but still, it's a problem. It's an embarrassment. It's one final slap in the face to a guy that every Commanders fan would like to slap in the face repeatedly. And that leads to the thing that dawned on me yesterday after we posted our first item on the Mary Jo White report. She's basically saying he committed fraud. And people get prosecuted for fraud all the time. Fraudulent schemes. Situations where, for example, if a contractor takes a down payment to give someone a new roof and just never does the work, they get prosecuted. People get prosecuted for fraud all the time, and even though she never uses the five-letter F word in her 22-page report, the four-letter F word was surely uttered by Dan Snyder when he realized the implication. This report is a blueprint for a prosecution of Daniel Snyder and others with the commander's organization. I did some research last night, Maryland law, where the stadium is located, Virginia law, where the team headquarters are located, and federal law which has clear prohibitions against mail fraud and wire fraud. And basically, if you commit any fraud by putting it in an envelope and putting a stamp on it or phone call, fax, text message, email. Do people still fax? I don't know. But anyway, any electronic communication, wire fraud. The only thing that may save him here is the statute of limitations. And I haven't researched whether and to what extent that would apply and does the discovery rule come into play? I don't know. But bottom line, And this is something I've talked with someone prominent in league circles about for a while now. One of these days, there's going to be a prosecutor with jurisdiction, with motivation, and with discretion that gets exercised in a way that results in grand jury, subpoenas, indictments. There's going to be something that someone does connected to the NFL— that gets people not necessarily put behind bars, but prosecuted, and then you see where it goes. Suspended sentence, probation, house arrest, whatever. Something's gonna happen along those lines, whether it's out of the gambling environment, or whether it's some sort of financial crime like the one that Dan Snyder apparently committed against his partners. And my understanding is that In the room where it happened yesterday, where the approval of the sale was accomplished, those folks will shed no tears if Dan Snyder gets prosecuted. And I don't know that he will. All I know is that report is a blueprint for a potential prosecution of Daniel Snyder and others. And you don't even need to flip many people. It's all there. It is gift wrapped. The evidence is there. Where you need to go and what you need to do is there. And and again, Mary Jo White got that conclusion. Despite the fact that the commanders didn't cooperate, they were whining about how much it's going to cost to get the documents together. And we can't do this and we can't do that. And they were unilaterally picking and choosing what they were going to give. Once subpoenas start going out, you better comply. You fail to comply with the subpoena, you got a separate jackpot, as a certain high profile individual in South Florida has learned recently. Failure to comply with subpoena is a big deal. So is this over? Is this not over? I don't know. But I know that people get prosecuted for fraud all the time. The question is, will there be a prosecutor with jurisdiction over Dan Snyder that decides to go after him based upon the finding that even though she doesn't use these words, he stole money from his partners? That's essentially what she's finding. Then what happens? Well, get your popcorn ready. And again, Daniel Snyder's not gone. He's not forgotten. And this John Gruden litigation is still going to hang around. And remember this, even if the legal issues have been worked out and there's indemnity and whatever, if the end result of the John Gruden litigation is, or if there is a finding along the way that Dan Snyder and the commanders leaked those emails, he's got a separate problem. Because he went under oath to Congress and said he didn't. So separate and apart from anything that could happen with this financial angle, you got the possibility of lying to Congress if it's proven, if it's proven that the commanders leaked those emails. So bottom line, Snyder is out, but the end of his time with the NFL could just be the beginning of another adventure that we will cover. It's fascinating. This is unprecedented. The idea that he's essentially been kicked out, fined $60 million on the way out, and there are these lingering issues that flow directly from the paperwork that the NFL published as he was leaving, slamming the door on him. Oh, by the way, here's this. And if anybody out there wants to act upon it, that's their business. We've never seen it before. And I don't know, will we ever see it again? This gets back to something I've said before as it relates to owners. The one factor, the one test, there's a one question test to be an NFL owner. Do you have enough money to buy the team? And it's a shame that that's the way it is. And the NFL has learned a difficult lesson here. You don't just automatically approve the highest bidder because the person who is the highest bidder could create all sorts of problems for you down the road. Then you get into a situation where the person who's trying to get out is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't tell me who I can and can't sell my business to. See, I thought that was happening in the whole Brian Davis thing, that it was eventually going to be a test case under the antitrust laws. Because when you think about it, and and owners have challenged NFL policies in the past based on antitrust violations, Al Davis did it. If you're an owner of a team, and I'll give you the example. Let's say that you have a team you own and you wanna sell it to someone that the league would regard as undesirable for eight billion. The person that the league regards as desirable is willing to pay seven billion. As the owner of the asset, the person who is cashing out and going home, why do you give up a billion dollars simply because the NFL regards the highest bidder as a jerk And the next highest bidder is someone they want to do business with. So that's how it happens. And that's why it's potentially going to continue. Because there's a chance that somebody who is really, really, really rich ends up being a really, really, really big jerk. I'm using words other than what I'd like to use just because I don't want anyone to have to bleep my language. But you get the point. This could still happen again, as long as the high bidder wins there's a chance another Daniel Snyder is going to come along. And I don't know what the NFL does to protect itself against that. Because again, if there's a huge gap between the highest bid submitted by the biggest jerk and the next highest bid submitted by the very nice person that they would like to be partners with, you got yourself a problem.
2: Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind.
0: Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: Dalvin Cook has a problem that might be a little more significant than we had believed. I had heard some chatter that teams Possibly are shying away from Cook because of concerns he's going to get suspended by the league at some point. The Minneapolis Star Tribune reported yesterday on a court filing that initially was unsealed and then suddenly it was sealed, which tells me possibly this is worth investigating if you're Davin Cook's lawyers. Possibly someone accidentally unsealed it so it could be handed to the media. The idea that Cook initially offered through his lawyers $800,000 to Gracelyn Trimble, the woman who is accused of domestic violence. The first offer was in exchange for settlement of her claims and and an affidavit basically saying he didn't do anything wrong. A million dollars eventually was offered. Similar terms, it's a settlement of all claims between Cook and Trimble with a requirement that she send a letter to the NFL saying he didn't do anything wrong. And that's important because that reduces the likelihood that the NFL would eventually be able to take action against him because they have no subpoena power. All they need from her is an agreement that she won't cooperate, that she won't talk, that she won't tell her story to anyone without a subpoena. That prevents the NFL from ever getting to the truth. And in turn, it prevents them from ever suspending him. So the mere fact that that's out there, and I got a problem with that being out there. I wrote about this last night. Settlement offers should never be made known to anyone there would never be settlement talks, there would never be meaningful efforts to resolve civil disputes, if anything you offer privately can and will be used against you at trial or leaked to the public. Now, what could be going on here, and I've asked Cook's camp for something on the record, but it's entirely possible because Cook has sued Trimble and her lawyers for defamation. And he has scored some preliminary victories that would suggest he may be onto something here. This idea that when the case was first filed, it was leaked to the media in an effort to pressure him to settle. And maybe the lawyers knew or should have known that there were inconsistencies in her story. Maybe they shouldn't have gone forward with the case. It's entirely possible what he's trying to do here is divide and conquer Trimble from her lawyers, settle with her, get her to say, None of this ever happened. And then you use that against the lawyers. And when you think about it, lawsuit against Trimble, lawsuit against law firm, which one's likely to have money if you prevail? What money are you going to get out of the average person? The average person is what they call judgment proof. I got a million dollar judgment against this person. Well, good luck collecting. You are going to chase him around for the rest of the lifespan of this person trying to pick off whatever piece of property you can grab and sell at auction. It's what Fred Goldman has been trying to do to O.J. Simpson. And O.J. Simpson is a man of means. And how far has Fred Goldman gotten over the past 28 years? The easier course is to go after the law firm. So if, and this is a, a sound strategy, if you can make it work, if you can settle with Gracelyn Trimble and get her to say, hey, yeah, nothing happened. and And you take it a step farther. Well, you know, I exaggerated. I embellished because the lawyer said it would be a good idea. Then all of a sudden, Dalvin Cook's got a hell of a case against the lawyers. That could be what the subtext is here. That could be what the strategy is here. But regardless, based on what's already out there, it's the kind of thing that a team that is thinking about making an offer to Dalvin Cook needs to take into consideration because this whole thing could blow up still and he could be suspended by the league at some point down the road. In theory, he's always denied wrongdoing. He has loudly denied it and he's backed it up by filing suit against his accuser and her lawyers. But still until it's resolved until it's over, until a jury makes a decision, what did or didn't happen. There's still a chance this thing could go sideways for Dalvin cook. I want to mention briefly. and, And look, I don't pass judgment when it comes to exceeding the posted speed limit because he who has never applied a lead foot to a gas pedal should cast the first stone. I think there are certain circumstances where if you exceed the posted speed limit, if no one else is around, if it's a clean, dry stretch of road, you're just, you know, look, they make these cars, the speedometer goes all the way up to like 225 on some of these cars. I mean, come on, at some point, you got to open it up a little bit if you're not putting anyone at risk. And, it's one thing to go 100. Jordan Addison was cited for going 140. 140, you're about 10 miles away from the tires melting off of the rims, unless you have performance tires on the car. 140? Good Lord, where is there a safe place to go 140 unless you're on the Autobahn? So I need to know more about The surrounding circumstances, because remember what happened with Henry Ruggs a couple of years ago, how fast he was going now he was also under the influence, allegedly, or actually I can't remember what happened with that case is it still pending I can't remember I got to look that up did he plead guilty, I can't remember. Every time that happens, I start thinking has it begun, has the inevitable decline happened, but for some reason I'm misfiring here on whether or not it happened with Henry Ruggs regardless what did happen was that car was going really fast. And if you're going really fast when other cars are around, that's a problem, whether you're drunk or whether you're sober, it's not safe. And I don't think 140 is safe under any circumstances, but it's especially unsafe if you're weaving in and out of cars, if you're on a a residential road or whatever the case may may be. So that's a problem for Jordan Addison on his way into the NFL. And here's hoping that he's learned a valuable lesson from it. And he resolves never do it again. And, Thankfully, no one was injured or killed when he was driving his car that fast. All right, we've come to number one on the list of the top 10 NFL coaches for 2023. Number 10, Doug Peterson, number nine, Mike Vrabel, number eight, Kyle Shanahan, number seven, Sean McVay. number six, Sean Payton, number five, Pete Carroll, number four, John Harbaugh, number three, Bill Belichick, number two, Mike Tomlin. I didn't need to do that. But it makes me feel like I at least still have my faculties that I was able to do it. Number one, Chiefs coach Andy Reid. And I'm kind of with Mike Vick. You can make the argument already that he's the greatest of all time. Now, it's difficult to do with two Super Bowl wins when Bill Belichick has six. But I think the best way to put it is get back to me in six years because Reid is six years younger than Belichick, and Reid has Patrick Mahomes just about entering the front end of his prime. And look, it will be Pete Rozelle's worst nightmare if the Chiefs keep winning and winning and winning and winning and winning. If they win two in a row and three in a row and four in a row. And I don't think they will. I mean, look how hard it is to win one. All the needles you have to thread. Got to get past the Bengals. Got to get past the Bills. Got to come from double-digit deficits in the second half, which they did in both of the Super Bowls they won. You can't count on flipping that coin and having to come up heads every time. But, but... You know, the reality is the more you do it, the more comfortable you are in those situations, the less likely you are to freak out. And the more likely the other team is to get tight and think, uh-oh, here it comes. You know, it's the younger brother who's, who's up five points, 18-13 against his older brother in ping pong, and his older brother has a habit of coming back and winning. You start to get a little a little nervous. You start to get a little wobbly, and the next thing you know, it's over. The more the Chiefs do this, the easier it is for them to keep doing it. And if Andy Reid gets, I mean, if he gets to six, he's the greatest of all time, but he could get it four or five, but ultimately end up with more wins than Bill Belichick. Who knows? We don't know how long Belichick's going to coach, but regardless, when you look at, and this was a point that I made when we wrote about it a few weeks back, when you look at the starting quarterbacks that Andy Reid has had from the time he became the Eagles head coach in 1999, and he has continuously been a head coach ever since went straight from the Eagles to the chiefs. He's had a bunch of different guys. Belichick has primarily had Tom Brady from 2001 after Drew Bledsoe was injured through 2019. The only exceptions, the 15 games in 2008 after Tom Brady suffered a torn ACL against the Chiefs week one. Bernard Pollard hit him low, and that was that. And then the four games that Brady missed to start the 2016 season for Deflategate. Other than that, it was Brady, 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 Brady for the Super Bowl seasons for every season. Reed's had a bunch of different quarterbacks. And now that Reed's settled in with Patrick Mahomes, since the last time Bill Belichick won a postseason game, Andy Reed's won two Super Bowls and he's been in another one. So Reed is clearly number one right now. The question is, will he be number one all time when it's all said and done? He's got a chance to do it. And the difference is look, Belichick is a master of defense, Reed is a master of offense. And in today's NFL, which one is more important? It's the offense. You need to be a better offensive coach because the game has been skewed toward offensive production. And no matter what the best defensive coach can do, it's kind of rigged in the offense's favor because the NFL knows offense is what generates interest, sells tickets, gets people playing fantasy, gets people to tune in, maximum number of eyeballs. What is it? that the NFL looks at when setting the primetime schedule. They're not looking to put the best defense in primetime. They're looking to put the best quarterbacks in primetime. That's what people want to see. So the better you are at coaching quarterbacks, the better coach you are. The last thing we saw from Bill Belichick was his horrible mistake in the delegation of the offensive duties to Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. So clearly, clearly, Reed is number one right now. Will he catch... Bill Belichick, number one all time. That is one of the great stories of the next half decade or so. All right, let's get to some questions. I don't. Am I, Should I be sad? I, this was supposed to be a five-week break. Not that I ever take a break, but 24 out of 25 days for PFTPM with no breaks during the broadcast, with no one to throw it to while I catch my breath or just otherwise figure out what the hell I'm saying. I kind of like this, but not enough to commit to doing it once a week, PFTPM posse, so quit asking. Here's a question from PFTP and Posse. Head coaches in the NFL have been trending younger for a while. However, my Cowboys are never mentioned as a possibility with the youngest and brightest head coaching prospects. Why is that? Can Jerry and the boys, nepotistic decision makers, not relate? Are they leery of Dallas, the Jones family, or what? What? they got Jason Garrett when he was regarded as a young up and coming coach. And the idea was we're going to stick with him as he learns how to be a coach. And then we're going to have Tom Landry. And I think that Kellen Moore was kind of like, Hey, you know, he's the guy that will take over after Mike McCarthy and be Tom Landry. So I think they'd like to do it, but it just hasn't worked up. And in the grand scheme of things, how many, ideally you're not hiring coaches every few years. The goal should be to hire a new coach every five to 10 years. So that's not many head coaches. So you don't have a whole lot lot of opportunities to, to do what you're suggesting. And we'll see what happens if it doesn't work out for McCarthy. I think there's a ton of pressure on him this year as he takes over the offense. And there's been some turnover, a lot of turnover on that coaching staff, even though the team went 12 and five the last two years. I think he's one of the guys on the hot seat entering the season. PFTPM posse. How can we get someone to ask Aaron Rodgers the question about being paid 60 million plus per year by one of the big pharma companies trying to take him down? And and that's a question that came up when I did the SI Media podcast with Jimmy Train. And I've mentioned this a time or two. When Aaron Rodgers was finally in a position to meet with the New York media right after the trade, it was all positive and flowery. And no one asked him about the 800 pound elephant in the room. The idea that He claims, and he said this, that he was vilified by the media because Big Pharma told the media to do it, that the media is bought and paid for by Big Pharma. Well, I never got the memo. I criticized Aaron Rodgers for lying about being vaccinated because he lied about being vaccinated, not because anybody told me to do it. He lied about it, and you knew he lied about it. He was playing a stupid-ass Greg Brady word game, and he got caught, and he thought he was being clever. And it was just unfortunate. And it was a possible glimpse into his character, frankly. Frankly. I'm sorry, but frankly. So he said that. He made that comment. And he's got this persecution complex. That's fine. But he said it. He's been vilified by the media at the behest of Big Pharma. Well, who is Big Pharma? Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. And Woody Johnson is of the Johnson and Johnson family. It is a hell of a question. How do you reconcile your disdain for big pharma with your willingness to take a paycheck from a guy who is a big pharma heir? How How do you do it? What mental gymnastics did you go through to get yourself to the point where you were reconciled to take big pharma money? Even if it's not directly, still indirect, but you're taking big pharma money. I think what happens is when this honeymoon period ends and it's been an extended honeymoon period, once they start losing some games, once maybe he starts being a little prickly at some point, I think somebody's going to ask him that question. And maybe one of the reasons he's on his best behavior, he's trying to push that question off as long as possible. And he presumably has an answer that he's rehearsed. Now, Hopefully it's not the same kind of cute gotcha answer like he did with, yeah, I've been immunized. But I think he's ready for it. And I think at some point he's going to be asked that question. He should be asked that question by someone at some point. And if he'd like to come on, I'll do, I'll do a special edition of PFTPM if Aaron Rodgers wants to come on and have that conversation. I'm happy to have a very respectful, open, balanced, and fair conversation with him about that if he's interested in doing it. But I'm not going to hold my breath or any other. Bodily function Hurricane Dave, what is your ideal breakfast? Generally speaking, it's whatever I feel like eating that morning. Some eat, some mornings, you know, I just want an energy bar or those little Belvedere crackers with coffee. Other mornings, like today, it was up. Upper-
2: Home isn't just a place; it's a state of mind, like curling up in a comfy chair as you watch the world go by. Good afternoon. Which is and why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing.
0: For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Well, I have some bad news. We have to wrap this one up early, not because Macy is barking again. And actually, yesterday, what happened is she got out the front door. A neighbor was here. That's why I had to prematurely end it, because it got very loud and I was very concerned that something was going on, that a burglar had busted in in broad daylight. That wasn't the case. The case today is we've had some power outages. We've had another one. So in lieu of continuing with the experiment and the hope that there won't be yet another power outage I'm going to say sorry I couldn't get to your questions maybe I'll answer some of them on Twitter the best news is we're back on PFT Live Monday morning 7 a.m. Eastern on Peacock and Sirius XM 85 and for all of your NBC sports shows that you consume they are available on Amazon Music just go to amazon.com slash NBC Sports for PFT Live Chris Simms on Button PFT PM, when we do it and all other NBC sports shows Thanks for hanging with me the past five weeks as we've gotten through the PFT Live hiatus. The hiatus is officially over. We'll be back on Monday. Check us out all weekend long at profootballtalk.com and have a great Saturday and Sunday.